Welcome to Valley Baptist University, an online ministry of Valley Baptist Church, where we seek to worship God with all our minds. I'm Eric Hahn, Dean of VBU. This segment is part four on the subject, Christianity versus the new spirituality, or sometimes called progressive Christianity. Today we explore the question, are all religions one and the same? Hey everyone. Have you ever heard someone say all religions are basically the same, or I mean, their core teachings are the same thing, or someone might include that all that matters is that you're sincere about your beliefs and it leads to loving others. Now, we've been on a study series, Christianity versus the New Spirituality, sometimes called progressive Christianity. Often when people say they're deconstructing their Christian faith, this is what they're falling into. And so we're gonna recap what is common in their beliefs, if you remember from the last segments. One is that God is one with everything, or all is one. The other is, since all is one and God is within, discover your divine within, or your Christ consciousness. Because of that, you are the creator of your own truth, and truth is relative to the individual. Now, it goes from here that since God is in everyone and we're all creating our own version of truth, then the viewpoint is whatever it might look like, all religions are essentially the same. And therefore, all religions should discover this and should just blend into one with all religions being affirmed. So commonly, this is described like the metaphor of different roads leading up to the peak of the same mountain. However, what I want to attempt to show you is that there is no way all religions and worldviews can blend into one without dissolving many of their core tenets or without embracing blatant contradictions. Keep in mind, there's an influential author, progressive Christian Brian McLaren. He emphasizes an interfaith approach to religion and spirituality, and it's derived from his view of truth being relative. He says we need to move beyond our deadlock, our polarization, our binary or twoist, either or thinking. Now, Take a swig of coffee, and I want you to put your thinking cap on again like last time. Let's apply that self-refuting test to these statements that McLaren has made and see if they're coherent or if they're just mere nonsense. A response to Mr. McLaren can be something like this. So we should either apply the either or thinking or the both and approach, but not both. Notice in saying that we should reject either-or thinking, McLaren is appealing to either-or thinking in his very statement. The statement refutes itself. It's like me saying, I can't speak a word of English. Likewise, progressive Christian author Diana Butler-Bass calls for a creedless Christianity. Keep in mind, a creed is a statement of belief. And what she just said is itself a statement of belief. Somebody could ask, is your statement of belief that you don't have a statement of belief? Hence, nonsense. Now, let's review a biblical Christian worldview. 
There is a God who is distinct. There is two-ism, not just one-ism. We don't merely discover our divine within, but we look to one who is distinct from us, God, who has revealed truth to us, and truth by its very nature is objective. Truth is that which corresponds to reality or what really is. It's not just dependent on the individual's view. Using this realism view of truth, truth is that which tells it like it is, and this truth affirms there is such a thing as falsehood. So since different religions make different truth claims, they are not the same and cannot all be affirmed. Just think to yourself about the world's major monotheistic religions. Christianity, think about Judaism, think about Islam. Christianity says Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. Judaism says Jesus is not the long-awaited Messiah. Christianity says that Jesus died on a cross. Islam says in the Quran explicitly that Jesus did not really die on the cross. It just appeared like he did. If I can illustrate how this plays out in a conversation, an actual conversation I had with a lady a number of years ago, we were out telling people about Jesus. It was a friendly conversation that had some lead-in, get-to-know-you community questions. We wanted to know if people what their views were about the Bible. And one of the questions, if they would let us keep asking, was what do you understand personally that it takes for a person to go to heaven? This particular lady said, well, that depends. It depends on whose religion we're talking about. And so in a friendly, gentle way, I said, so you're saying the way to go to heaven is subjective to each person depending on their own religious viewpoint? She said, yes. I said, so the Bible teaches Jesus died for our sins and rose again. Because of this, we can have salvation, eternal and abundant life. But I said, a Muslim adheres to the Quran that says Jesus didn't really die. And so he follows his practice and way for eternal life and a way of living. She said, yes. I said, but these two are blatantly contradictory. She said, but it's true for him. I said, so does something become true because someone believes it? She says, yes. I said, okay, so if I say to you that I believe my car is an elephant and I really believe that, does that make my car an elephant true for me? She said, no, that's ridiculous. I said, so if I believe that the earth is flat, does that make the earth being flat true for me? She said, no, that's that's ridiculous. I said, well, let's make it more religious and spiritual. I said, I I'm not teasing. I just really want to know where you land on this. I said, so if I believe that Elvis Presley was actually the same person as Christ and is a reincarnated alien from another planet who will eventually land a mothership and take us all away, and that's true for me, does that make it true? She said, no, that's ridiculous. I said, so if I believe Jesus didn't really die in the first century on the eve of Passover under the authority of Pontius Pilate, does that mean it didn't happen? She said, for the Muslim, it didn't happen because that's not true for him. I said, before we continue this Abbott and Costello routine, I said, 
What is your, speaking in a postmodern sense, your personal story, your narrative, your view of truth about how a person inherits eternal life? She said, oh, thou shalt believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I said, so how did you come to that conclusion? She said, it's in the Bible and that's what's true for me. Now, our conversation went on like this with me trying to convince her that there really are no square triangles or married bachelors, no matter what we believe. And her response is actually revealed that she doesn't believe all truth is relative or that all religious truth is re relative to the individual. I tried to point out that she was like a faucet turning on that worldview when she chose to, and then leaving it off when she chose to have it off. Now, I tell you this illustration to show you how there is no way all religions and worldviews can blend into one in an affirming way without dissolving many of their core tenets or without embracing blatant contradictions. Not only are all religions not the same, but actually all religions make exclusive truth claims. Examples, biblical Christianity holds Jesus really died for sin and rose, and by repenting and trusting him, we have eternal life and abundant life by grace through faith. Islam, teaches Jesus was one of the prophets who really didn't die. Eternal life and abundant life on earth should be lived here and is attained by various Islamic practices and works. Christianity says there's one God distinct from us. The Hebrew Shema is affirmed even in the New Testament. Hinduism says there is a pantheon of over 300 million gods who were all united and united with all beings in essence, including humanity in this principle called Brahman. But then there's Buddhism. Most people don't realize Gautama Buddha was like a reformer of Hinduism and Gautama Buddha rejected the pantheon of Hindu gods. To affirm all as one reminds me of what a former Christian musician once said, and I actually have always liked the band Gunger. I like their music. I saw them in concert a number of years back. But Michael Gunger, the leader of the band, has been deconstructing his Christian beliefs. And recently he made the statement. He said, I am an apophatic, mystic, Hindu, pantheist, Christian, Buddhist, skeptic with a penchant for nihilistic, progressive existentialism. Now, if I could talk to Mr. Gunger in a nice way, I would say, Mr. Gunger, it's good to meet you. And I can't speak a word of English, but I'm a married bachelor and I regularly make square triangles. Eric, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to tell you there's no way all religions and worldviews can blend into one in an affirming way without dissolving many of their core tenets or without embracing blatant contradictions. Think of it this way. To affirm everything is to affirm nothing. To say we believe everything is like saying nothing.
Even the progressivechristianity.org website has eight statements that are statements of belief. And even though they make statements to say that there are no absolutes, their statements hold to a certain absolute form of truth. They say there's more value in questioning than in absolutes. It's interesting, though, that they and their followers will say, we accept scientific inquiry as a companion towards spiritual enlightenment. And, and that's what Colby Martin says. Now, I don't know how someone can affirm all different beliefs while maintaining an affirmation of science. It's really often that as traditional biblical Christians, we get accused of checking our brains at the door. You might ask yourself the question, who really is checking their brain at the door? As biblical, objective, truth-holding Christians, we hold to even what could be called the science of historiography, which teaches that a person known as Jesus the Christ lived in first century Palestine, an actual place, died on the eve of Passover under the authority of Pontius Pilate. Applying historiographical science, even utilizing extra-biblical sources, confirms this one we call Jesus who really lived and really died. Truth is objective and the truth claims of Christianity are objectively true. That's our position. Now, the common pushback though, as I said at the beginning, is that someone will say, okay, they're not all the same, but they are all the same in what matters most. And what matters most is love. Now, you notice as you go through these books, you barely can find a definition of love. In fact, Colby Martin has a podcast where he specifically says, nobody has the authority to tell someone else what the Bible says. But about 15 minutes later, he says, but Jesus told us what's most important, it's love. If you go to the comments below, somebody respectfully but rightly asked, Mr. Colby, how do you know what Jesus said? You know that from the Bible? You just told your listeners nobody has the right to tell anyone else what the Bible says, and now you're telling your listeners what the Bible says. My point is, I submit to you, even progressive Christian leaders are making countless exclusive truth claims, and even just making the, the truth claim exclusively that love is what matters most is speaking of objective truth. There was a cult leader named Marshall Applewhite and of the South Orange County Heaven's Gate cult, he taught his followers that joining the ship behind the Hale-Bopp Comet is what matters most. He also described himself as Christ. You don't even have to have religious views to see that truth claims differ. Of course, progressive Christianity would say that we're all Christ, and we all have Christ within, and so, so all of the world's philosophies, Thomas Hobbes said that, no, it's not love that matters most. We got to go to the primal state, which is conflict and even war, and that's what matters most to humanity. John Stuart Mill says in Utilitarianism that pleasure and absence of pain is what matters most, and that's different nuance from love. There's many that would have a Darwinian worldview over history that would say survival matters most. Similar to that is Friedrich Nietzsche, influenced by Darwin in his book Beyond Good and Evil. He says that sympathetic love that these Christians have is actually a barrier to human progress, which matters more than sympathetic love. 
Karl Marx says maybe getting rid of class struggle matters most. Sigmund Freud basically said that sex is what matters most. He said to me, Pastor, what are you trying to say? And I'm telling you, what I'm trying to say is there's no way all religions and worldviews can blend into one in an affirming way without dissolving many of their core tenets and without embracing blatant contradiction. Okay, case in point is progressive Christianity itself. Arguably, their most prominent leader right now is Richard Rohr. One website has him as the number one most influential progressive Christian. Second, they would put Paul Young, who authored The Shack. Number five, they have Rob Bell. Richard Rohr and his followers define love as just being affirming of all things, which is self-destructive. We're going to look at that in our next segment. But he says we need a paradigm shift, and that's where Colby Martin got his idea for his book, The Shift. We need to shift to an all-inclusive worldview. He makes this statement in his book, The Universal Christ. He says, history is waiting for the Christian mind to shift, which is the only thing that will ever make it a universal religion. Now stop right there. Notice he says that all religions should be inclusive, but he envisions his version of Christianity, this false Christ version, as being the global religion. This shift includes diminishing the importance of beliefs in favor of the importance of practice, and yet the grounds for this in his own stated way is objective beliefs and an objective belief system. In the name of not having beliefs, what does he believe? He believes Christ is as all things. Long before Jesus' personal incarnation, Christ was deeply embedded in all things. He believes that in such a dedicated way that he actually dedicates his book, and I'm not making this up, he dedicates his book to his dog because his dog was also Christ to him. He talks about how God loves. So in his theology, he says, God loves things by becoming them. God loves things by uniting with them. He says, I'll say it again. God loves things by becoming them. Rock singer Bono, somebody whose music I've listened to and liked over the years, but he's followed this train of thinking. He says, that one statement is worth just reading this book. Also, Richard War affirms universal truth. Remember, he said that we should just embrace inclusivity, but he explicitly says that history is not moving toward an apocalyptic end. He says this is good and universal truth. Richard Rohr even talks about the subject of salvation, and he presents, in essence, a doctrine of salvation. He says that all salvation is a self-knowledge of God in the creature. Thus, salvation might best be called restoration rather than the retributive agenda most of us traditional Christians were offered. He says this alone deserves to be called divine justice. In fact, Richard Rohr even compares this to the gospel, and this is exactly what he says in his book, he says the Christian gospel, which means good news, he says from that we really have no substantial good news. It is neither good nor new, but the same old tired storyline of history. 
Rorsa's faith at his core is accepting that you are accepted. Now let's recap this. We should embrace and affirm all religions and all should blend into one and be affirmed, but certainly not this biblical Christianity that teaches retribution for sin was paid by God and Christ on the cross through Jesus. All religions should blend into one and be affirmed, but certainly not biblical Christianity that rejects having self-knowledge that you are divine because this alone is what should be called divine justice. All religions should blend into one and be affirmed, but certainly not these biblical Christians who are not only wrong, but are not good. Their view is old and tired. And even though this is the, the view of Christianity that most of us were offered. Now step back and breathe and think to yourself, how exclusive is that? You could even say, how narrow is that? This view of the gospel, this is what Rohr says, that most have heard for 2,000 years is objectively false. I'm encouraging you to not be deceived by this idea of inclusivity. I'm not surprised this is actually what they teach, that progressive Christianity actually discovers itself to be non-affirming. The reason I'm not surprised is that there is no way all religions and worldviews can blend into one in an affirming way without dissolving many of their core tenets or without embracing blatant contradictions. Now, Rohr and others would say that they've gleaned this from the Bible, which contradicts what they say because they hold the Bible has no authority. But if we're taking their one statement and expunging their other statement, let's look very briefly at what the Bible says. In Mark 10, 45, as well as in the other synoptics, Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Colby Martin says, when Jesus asked about his identity in Matthew, he told Peter and those, don't reveal my identity. He says, so we shouldn't be telling others about Jesus. For one thing, he missed the Great Commission in Matthew 28, although he redefines that. But in Luke 24, 46, it says, thus it's written and necessary for Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we have a statement that even secular Bible and New Testament scholars say dates back to the earliest belief system of Christianity, where Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel that I preached to you, which also you received in which you stand, by which you were saved unless you believed in vain. He says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And then he objectively clarifies his foundation for seeing that about the witnesses. And he says, therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. That's what Paul calls the gospel. He says, preaching that Jesus died for sin and rose again and believing on him, you were saved. And in Galatians chapter one, Paul is very clear. 
He says, I marvel you're turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Paul says, even if we, an angel of heaven, whatever experience you have, whatever you feel inside, if there is another gospel that's preached to you than what we have preached, let him be accursed or anathema or distinguished, set aside. He reiterates that. He says it twice. Verse 9, he says, again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what we've received, let him be accursed or anathema. Now, I want to say something that I agree with Richard Rohr in his book. I totally agree with Richard Rohr where he says that progressive Christianity is teaching a different gospel. He says there's the old agenda gospel. There's the old story of Jesus dying to pay the penalty of sin. Then there's this alternative salvation understanding where you discover the God within, where faith is just accepting that we're accepted. Paul tells us what to do with a different gospel very clearly. No matter what our personal experience is, no matter who the carrier is, if it's a Franciscan priest who is a monist like Richard Rohr, if it's a popular author, Colby Martin, if even if it's an angel of heaven, Paul says, set that aside. That is a false gospel. Reject that. This is just simply one important example of how there is no way all religions and worldviews can blend into one without dissolving many of their core tenets and without embracing blatant contradictions. Whatever the sleight of hand logic or sophistry, whether it involves religion, spirituality, or anything else, no matter how it's dressed up, truth by nature is exclusive. These are different religious truths making different truth claims, and in this case, affirming different gospels. The question for you and anyone else is which gospel are you going to believe? The gospel that just says discover the divine within and accept that you were accepted or the gospel that says God is distinct from us and sent his son Jesus to die to pay the penalty of sin and rise again that believing on him you can have eternal and abundant life. I encourage you from the bottom of my heart to choose wisely. Thank you for being with us here at VBU. For further reading on this series, see the book, The Other Worldview by Dr. Peter Jones. And more specifically for today's topic, the book, True For You, But Not For Me by Paul Copan. We'll see you next time for segment number five of this series, as we look at the question, is all of humanity one with God?